And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. The Walking Dead. Hello and welcome to Walking Dead Wednesday. This is Walking Dead Wednesday number six and I am Sean Ingle here at the Two True Freaks website and today we're going to be covering issue number 43 of The Walking Dead and with me tonight are the two uh, purveyors of Freakness, Mr. Scott Gardner and Mr. Chris Honeywell. (laughs) Perfect. That works. <laughs> Hello. Bring in the quality. How you doing? I'm awesome. How are you guys? You are awesome because you are at work. <laughs> yes, I am. Well, you know, uh, when we when we record these things anytime other than weekends, you know, sadly because my work schedule is nighttime, it's pretty much what I have to do. So, again, I can't really tell where I'm working. I will i will admit right now i am uh handling uh processed tissues so there is the whole correlation <laughs> exactly. with uh you know with uh walking dead zombification i'm cutting up tissue and stuff so that's always fun i got a tissue uh, on the floor that i blew my nose in but i, think it's, <laughs> I don't think it's quite very, the same very different yes. a little different <laughs> Yes, if it was the same kind of tissue, the dog would get at it. Uh, <laughs> I think I'm one of the few podcasters that doesn't have a dog. Most of the podcasters I know that do have dogs, they you can hear them in the background all the time. I know I with love Bailey, that. you can I, hear. Oh, I hate that. It makes me nuts. <laughs> yeah, I I hate it too. I, when I'm recording mine, I've got the two little Jack Russell Terriers. And usually... <laughs> quiet but every once in a while you can hear them run into the room and scratch and their collars clink and i'm like get out get out little little chloroform is always always Uh, quiets them down quite a bit always that's sweet (laughs) look at him just curled up in the corner there (laughs) works on children too Uh, (laughs) i don't hear your kids running around scott (laughs) i thought you just choked them out wrestling style (laughs) the defense rests (laughs) no i like it I liked uh, I it's I I like I liked when um you know we'd be talking to someone in Mexico and you'd hear like dogs out in the street in Mexico, yeah it's like communication with our little our little canine buddies. Maybe those dogs are podcasting to each other too, you know. Maybe they're all listening in on other podcasts, you know. And one dog's because they've got those good ears. They come in, you know. Michael Bailey's dogs come in, you know, and. They're taking a break from telling him to like mass murder people, and they can hear what's going on on that on that um, podcast, and they hear roar, 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 in the background, and they go, "Oh, roar, roar, and you get a little conversation going, you know, sort of underneath. <coughs> there could be a whole network of dog podcasters that we don't even know about. <laughs> I may have to. I may have to investigate that. But anyway, 
You knock yourself out. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> your, dog, your dog's actually listen to podcast. The answer is yes. <laughs> Definitely yes. <laughs> it's going to be like... Chris, I got your dinner ready. Go away, Mom. I'm studying the, the dog podcasters. <laughs> I'm doing my important work here. The dog. Oh, I'm so lonely. All right. So, like the dog whisperer, it's like the dog casterer. <laughs> the <like> dog caster. <laughs> so, Walking Dead. So, well, before we get to that, dude, you you really must do a, a, a better job of of pimping your wares because you know it wasn't until I was listening to uh, Andy Leyland's uh, latest episode today on my drive to and from work that I was like. That's right. Sean like does a podcast too. Why doesn't he ever yeah. say anything about it? You should so. be plugging that every time you're yes. every time you you're know, because my podcast is like the nichest of niche podcasts. It's a all it's the a more reason to plug line. it. I, then you so got to yeah, get well, it out there more so the the few okay. people who do recognize what it is will will have a chance to see it. Well, if you'll shut up, I'll tell you about the podcast. <laughs> 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 Sorry, that was. <laughs> you don't have to apologize to me, man. Okay, no, but it's you know I, I was saying I don't pimp it because it's a niche podcast. It's it's a first it's a podcast, so you've got to be on the internet or got to have a you know MP3 player, iPhone or whatever to listen to it. Right, but Second, that's check, that's podcast. that's check and check because they're listening to a comic book podcast that they would have had to have gotten off the internet. Green Lantern podcast, and then it's a Green Lantern podcast specifically mm -hmm. dealing with like the '90s era and focusing on you know one of the Green Lantern characters that no one likes, Guy Gardner. <laughs> so, so basically, it's you know me doing the most isolated show ever. I have like maybe two listeners, so it's awesome. But I'm we having can fun with it. that shit around. We can turn that around, and it's got know, the I've it's been... got the thing in lots. <laughs> Lots in common with our podcast, the whole like nobody likes and gardener thing, you know. <laughs> awesome. So yes, it, uh, I'll go ahead and pimp it. It's called Just One of the Guys. It's a Green Lantern podcast. It is on the Lipson server, so you can go to Just One of the Guys. and uh, do the R, you know, subscribe through RSS. I don't have an iTunes link, but it's on iTunes as well. Just search for Just One of the Guys podcast. So there you go. Excellent. And you can kiss my ass, Chris. Oh, really? Well, at least you shaved it, last I heard. Look last for that footage Photoshop. on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, All but... right, so The Walking Dead. Oh, I thought I was going to have a nice burp there, but I guess not. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's my turn for the synopsis. Well, this is... Walking a Dead number forty three, which has a beautiful um cover of the governor and man does he look pissed. He's got the, the twelve hundred yard stare. Or it's actually only a six hundred yard stare because he's only got one eye. But it's a great like angry red, orange and yellow co cover it says Oh man, this this cover just screams the shit's gonna hit the fan, or alternately it's on, or you know whatever. It says the action's gonna start. All right, so Walking Dead number forty three. It's this um, uh, same 
same uh, group of uh, artists, Kirkman, Adler, and Rathburn. So, uh, well, after one of the greatest cliffhanger comics that we've ever had, we actually get a pretty good flashback comic where the shit does not hit the fan. <laughs> so now that the governor has uh, shown up with his tank and his army of goons, uh, we get to find out how he actually got here. And it turns out... Um, when they find the governor's mutilated body, the only person left to stitch him up is old Bob, who's sort of like Otis from the Andy Griffith show. He's a old drunk who was basically an army medic for about two weeks, 40 years in, in the past. So uh, luckily, it appears that Michonne sort of wanted the governor to live and sort of made sure that his wounds were, were not deadly, just horrifying. So in a week, he wakes up and he's pretty much ready to get up to his old tricks despite the loss of an eye and arm and his uh, tallywhacker. So uh, when they find uh, Martinez's body, who, uh, remember, the governor had sent to, uh, to uh, sort of run off with the, the guys from the prison so he could come back and tell them where the prison was. And, uh, and Rick got wise to him and, and crushed him with the camper. So uh, when they find Martinez's body, uh, the governor, governor uses that as sort of an opportunity to rile up the, the masses at, in uh, Woodbury, uh, portraying Rick and the, the crew as a bunch of aggressive monsters who attacked Woodbury. And uh, now that he's recovered uh, so well, he's, he's finding some time to relax and yank out all the teeth from his zombie daughter so that he can make out with her. You know, the stuff that he, you know, that he used to do back, you know, before he was, he was horribly injured. And, uh, of course he redoubles his efforts to find the prison after, uh, Glenn and, uh, and those guys meet up with a bunch of the guys from Woodbury at the armory and, uh, off them and blow it up. So finally all the scouts he sent out finally hit pay dirt and they find the prison just about the time that we see, uh, the, the... Uh, you know, Rick and those guys, or, or, or was it Rick, but you see him bring in the walker that ends up snuffing Carol. So the governor decides that it'd probably be a good idea to wait for a few weeks for, uh, for them to attack and uh, let them get really settled in and think that nothing's going to happen. And so then, of course, the big day finally arrives, leading us to the exact same end as last issue, Kill them all! Which wasn't as dramatic as the first time that <laughs> it happened. You know, it wasn't as... Uh... <laughs> no, sadly not really. I, I, I think it was actually the exact same piece of art, too. Yes. I think, it, I think they just yeah. they just printed the, that last uh, panel again. I really like this the second time around. Because I, I liked how he tied in the time frame. And I love the part where the governor's gone, Nah, listen, you know, they were probably on their guard at this point, And they were probably on their guard at this point. And they're definitely going to be on their guard for a little while now. So we got to let them. And that's exactly what happened. That, that same conversation in reverse pretty much happens. Is it between Rick and Tyrese or Rick and... Um, and um, it, it might be Rick and Herschel, I think. And Herschel, yeah, and of of where they're like, you know, if they were going to come after us, they would have come after us then. And 
and then this they would have definitely come after us after this so they definitely did you know the governor was he was really uh had a good idea of what their mindset would be and comes up with a good plan well um, it also falls into the whole trope of you know things things go bad things go bad then there's the downtime and then they start to get comfortable again so the governor you know even though you know was playing off that you know he was he was realizing that you know they're going to get they're going to get sedentary they're going to get into their their habit and they're going to think everything's going to be all right and that's when we need to hit I was just like I'm thinking you know the governor is just it's in Scott's uh worry about the supervillain the governor was really being developed as kind of the anti-Rick, you know, that having right. the sa- same role as Rick, you know, I mean, Rick likes to get in front of everybody and give a big rousing speech, too. And, you know, now he's a, he's the one art now he's you know, he's got his hand cut off, too, you know, and uh, and he's got his dick cut off and he's got a zombie daughter, which is sort of the evil parody of Rick, who's got. A, a new baby and is still, uh, still I, you know i hadn't even yeah so he's just almost like the mirror image so okay. you know it, at that at, at that point i was getting a little worried about it too because it's it's a it's neat but it's a little too fictiony you know it's a little too you know not you know cleaving to you know that sort of situation just wouldn't develop exactly like that in reality it's more of a a trope of drama and stuff like that and the walking dead has been pretty good about sort of sticking to real reality you know Mm -hmm. and and not you know there's there's moments of of happenstance or poetic this and that but it's very much like that would happen in life you know whereas you know I, I, you know, I could if if this went bad as far as w- what I mean by going bad, like in hack writing style, you know, you would eventually get the scene where Rick and the governor get together and the governor gives him the, you know, you and I are very alike speech. You know, we're actually two sides of the coin and we need it. You know, that that whole yeah. thing that's because and luckily it doesn't go in that direction. But there's some hints in here that it could be so. Yeah, it 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 definitely was playing into Scott's nervousness about the governor as supervillain. Well, and the one thing that I thought that in this makes him the supervillain is how he actually survived. I mean, even though Michonne was kind of treating with kid gloves, well, not really kid gloves, but she was making sure that he was going to stay alive by you know by cauterizing the wound of his arm and uh you know even though that she uh spooned out his eyeball oh mm. that was pretty hideous and and then afterwards as you mentioned popped off his pecker you know the the fact that he was able to survive all those injuries you know being treated by a medic who had what he said two weeks experience you know mm-hmm. 40 years ago is does really kind of make you think that they're going for the sort of supervillain trope because in reality a person wouldn't survive this yeah there's infection i mean basically 
you, you you get the idea that like she left his wounds to the point where the guy basically all he had to do is probably stitch a few things up stitch a few veins up or whatever you know stitch a few wounds up and then keep him from becoming infected but Jesus when you have those kinds of wounds keeping someone from getting infected is not just a matter of you know oh, we better give him these uh, these pills you know it's a constant you know yeah it's a it's a constant battle so yeah it's 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 a stretch that he survived you know yeah but, especially you know that the fact that they're in a place that has no power probably has no running water has limited access to medical supplies uh and again has someone who's not really trained to deal with this kind of trauma i mean it it does kind of stretch stretch credulity that he'd be able to survive this yeah and he probably and he probably has to take a couple shots just to keep his hands from shaking you know when it when he came down to to the surgery and what i love about this is is this is this guy saved the governor's life you know because the governor's like why aren't i dead with the doctor and and that you know the two doctors gone and they're you know they're like you know bob basically you know took care of you and how does he reward bob <laughs> he <laughs> leaves him to take care of the the zombie daughter and like if anybody dies anybody <laughs> make sure yeah. she eats you know and and bob's just sitting there like oh and and to the governor he's letting him into the inner circle but man what a reward that is you know here, stay in the stay in my apartment with the house. Sit in my apartment with this rotting corpse, rotting toothless corpse. And you know, you just when you think the governor's couldn't get creepier, he's making out with his his little zombie, which we have determined is not actually his daughter or even his niece. Probably. Yeah. That. Yeah. Yeah. The the rise of the governor does tend to. You know what you said when we did the rise of the governor thing—that it does tend to make you feel that this may not be, you know, the actual niece that he brought in to Woodbury at the beginning, because right. he now he's more creepy pedophile than like loving parent or, you know, he's like sort of a combination of both, which is really, you know, like when he makes out with her, he ends up retching and puking and he's a poly. He's like, I'm sorry. You know, I'm sorry. I'll get used to, it. you know, he's like, you can see he's genuinely like feels that he's let her down. You know, he's who knows in his mind, she could be, they could be having conversations and stuff. You know, it's right. hard to tell what well, she know. doesn't fit the physical description that's given of penny in the book either so that that was my biggest point was that she doesn't look the way we're told that she looks in the in the novel off topic i hear there's going to be around october another yeah another governor book that's not off topic the 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 road to woodbury or something like that Yeah. yeah yeah i'm looking forward to that i hope it's as good as the as the first one of course you know the the character I liked best from from that book, you know, didn't didn't make it through the end of the book, but yeah. still, you know, I'm still looking forward to it. I uh, I gotta be honest, I got really mixed feelings about this particular issue. You know, not at all that it's a bad issue, 
but I, I'm trying to take my mind back to where I was when this came out. And I know that I was horribly disappointed after the awesome, awesome cliffhanger that we got in 42, you know, the, the kill them all, you know, it's, it's the same cliffhanger we wind up at, at the end of this one. I was just crushed to open this up and it's like, the hell is this? It's a flashback, you know? So there was that disappointment. Plus again, not that it's a bad issue. Cause it's not, it's, it's really interesting. It's a good story and everything, but ultimately I got to still, you know, I got to go with my original gut feeling, which is it's kind of pointless. I did. I didn't need this, you know, this, this is one time, you know, and, and we've heaped so much praise on, on, uh, Robert Kirkman, you know, I, you know, I really honestly do feel like, you know, he, he hits it out of the park just about all the time. And every once in a while, he'll, he'll, I don't want to say make a misstep, but he'll just give me something. I'm like, nah, I didn't really need that. That's what this issue is. I didn't need this. I mean, if, if we had gone straight from how 42 ends right through the rest of this story arc, the way this story arc eventually, you know, winds up, I was I could be I could live with that. I didn't have to know how the governor survived because I expected he was going to anyway. You know, like I said, you know, I I expected when we didn't see a corpse, you know, a governor corpse at the end of the original Woodbury saga. I pretty much had that nagging suspicion that he was going to be, you know, the 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 super villain of the piece. So when he popped up at the end of the 42, you know, I didn't issue 42. I was kind of like, okay, well, there, there I go. I was born out. And then you could just keep going straight from there. I, I just don't need all this. You know, it, it's not that it's not interesting. It's not that it's not compelling. It's, it's not that it's not, you know, a, a good narrative. It's just to wind up at the end of it, right back where we were at the end of the last issue to me, illustrates my point makes my point for me just you don't need it It, it's kind of filler and and i was i was really disappointed by that i you know i i expect more from uh from kirkman i guess well he was drawing i i saw it as it was him drawing parallels it was him showing you the timeline of what the governor was doing compared to the touchstone events of the last few issues with the people in the prison so I thought it was going somewhere which I which was in the sort of parallel between Rick and the governor but as it turns out I was wrong on that but uh I I don't want to talk about where I why I think he did it until we get into the next issue because I don't want to give away how the next See that's issue the thing goes. I I have you know I yeah that's the thing is that there's a lot more that I think could be said about this issue of parallels and stuff with where we're actually at right now where the series actually is I I do more strongly see those parallels but that's the thing is I I don't want to spoil ahead you know I I don't want to you know well, it's, I don't it's not as much it, the, the parallels, but I think, I think this issue served a purpose. With and and I think that part of that purpose, without getting in the next one, was milking that moment, because if that was a disappointing thing to me about it was it's like, okay, it's kind of like that was such an awesome you know, 
to see that last panel and go, oh shit. And then to have this, I was just like, okay, he's just milking that moment. He's milking the, like, what happens next, you know? Right. And I think there's a reason for that. But, okay. But we'll go Makes into that. I'll, I'll go into that next issue because, yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to spoil nothing. Spoil <laughs> nothing for nobody. Yeah, I don't really. I, I don't really. Uh... Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, that's, <laughs> that's all I've got. <laughs> you know, sadly, yes, yeah, sadly, I, I, I do kind of have to agree. It's it's a good issue, and I can see your point about, you know, it not really needing to be there. I mean, and, and I guess for me, it wasn't that much of an issue since I read it in trade and I think people who are now you know going to pick up uh, the Walking Dead trades and everything because of the TV show and are going to reading that they probably won't feel that it's uh, that much of a delay or that much of a thing but I can I can, if you're waiting for them to come out monthly and you get an issue you get issue 42 and that ending and then you come yeah. to this then you come to this next issue that's a flashback issue. You're like, what the hell? I mean, I want to know what's going on. You gave me, you know, an amazing cliffhanger and now you're giving me, you know, filler. So I can, I can understand it, but yeah, I agree with you. It was, it was a good issue, but it didn't have to be there, but I'll be interested to see what Chris has to say about it. You know, about you know, how it ties in with the next issue. It was, I, I guess my point is it was, it was, I kind of agree with Scott and maybe it was unnecessary in a revealing of information manner. You know, what, what we learn from it is really nothing that we need to learn to advance a story. It's interesting, but mm-hmm. it's not, it's not filling in any blanks that we couldn't have sort of, you know, filled in with our imagination or just assumed happened. I mean, we're not gonna, you know, you know, the the scene with him making out with the little zombie girl is uh, just some gruesomeness added to it that you probably wouldn't have right. thought happened, and and adds to, you know, just underlines that he's a s- sick and has lost it. But I think it was instead of serving the purpose of giving us information, I think it was almost a pacing thing. You know, it was right. almost about pacing the story the way he did you know the way he would do those those uh, daily life as usual stories you know in between in between the shit hitting the fan mm-hmm. this was this was a, a pacing decision that he did either that or they wanted to buy themselves more time that I, but I, I'm sure that wasn't the case because they seemed to have this plotted out far enough ahead that they knew where it was going yeah, and it didn't seem like this was a, a fill-in issue at all. I no, mean, it didn't look right. rushed. The artwork and everything looked, you know, spectacular. So no, there's a good bit of like... thought put into it and and work put it. I mean, Kirkman ties up. You know, you you, you realize, oh wait, they're taking in the walker. You know that that they were gonna observe, and then you're like, oh okay, so this is just a few days before Carol dies, and it puts it all into into perspective you know mm-hmm. but you know that you, you guys may have hit upon something that that may be part of my feeling of disappointment with this issue is that you know clearly it's not a fill-in issue it has all the regular people it, it fits you know in the narrative that that we've been following and everything 
but just by the nature of what it is, you know, this this flashback tale, this kind of, you know, unnecessary flashback tale right at the end of this awesome cliffhanger that basically just kind of stalls the story out for one issue. Maybe my feeling of disappointment is just in the fact that up till now, I felt like Kirkman, yes, he's working in the medium of comics and, and really working that medium to its full potential. But he up till now, he's managed to avoid comic bookiness. You know, he's managed to yeah. avoid cliches of comics. This very much feels like uh, like, a, you know, your your stereotypical filler issue you know how many times have we seen in comics where there's some great run of some you know any you know take any series you know you're really into what's going on things are building and building and building there's a great cliffhanger ending you can't wait for the next issue next issue comes out and it's written by you know joe hack writer with you know with art by herb trimpey and it's telling some, you know, you know, well, you know, meantime, the Hulk's off doing this. And you're like, the hell is this? You know, it's like, I, I want the next chapter. But you got this fill in. That's kind of what this issue feels like to me is like th this is a fill in issue, you know, and, and we'll get back to the, the regular narrative next month, kids. And it's like, God damn it. You know, it's <laughs> just so bummed out by that. I'm still bummed out. Before about we it. started, before we started the show, we were also discussing, and this is a regular listeners know this patience is not one of Scott Gardner's <laughs> virtues. <laughs> Wait, waiting to find out what happens is, is not one of uh, like a no. desired activity for Scott Gardner. Nope. So, so that you could, you can, uh, you can apply that to his, the coloring of his opinion of this, this episode issue, now, issue sewed. Now I had a question for Sean in the, in the, um, trade format. How does this issue fall? Does this fall like immediately after 42 or is there a split between trades where like this starts the next trade or something? How does that work? As far as, okay, I have the giant, you know, to, uh, to parallel uh, the Fantastic Ass and Steve Lacey, I have the giant, you know, uh, vagrant killing omnibus. And <laughs> uh, basically, it's issues 1 through 48 in one giant, you know, compendium. So there's right. really no, uh, you know, right from 42 to 43. In fact, you know, the one thing I kind of, dislike about the compendium is they don't give the cover art and they don't give separation between the issues well i, th I think um, that each issue is six issues each um trade is six issues right yeah so, so I'm pretty, it would end at 42 then actually i bet if you go uh if you want to go pull out your italian copy of uh walking dead i'm pretty certain it starts it with this issue yeah this it issue. does uh, yeah so uh the uh yeah i'm pretty certain the trade you know so not only if you're reading it in trade, you would get the same sort of feel. You'd get the you'd end 42 and you'd go, holy cow. And you'd have to wait until, you know, the next trade came out. So, yeah, that is I could see how that'd be kind of disappointing now. Yeah. Well, I, that actually, that makes a lot more logical sense to me than, you know, because I have heard that before that the trades don't. Um, not only don't they reprint the cover art, but they don't have any delineating 
um, line between issues. So when you're reading it, it just goes from issue to issue to issue. And unless you have the actual, you know, individual original issues, you don't know where one issue ends and the next one starts. You, you can sort that of figure way, it out a lot of times because just right. by the way it's presented, you know. But in this particular case, that would be like, what the hell, you know, because you're going to go from that cliffhanger so the next page is going to be, you know, the where this starts up, which is like, you know, what, like six months prior or something. And you're like, what the hell? You know, I mean, it, it would be, you know, it's just one of those jarring things. You know, I mean, I'm sure you could quickly figure out what had happened, but still, that would be, you would think it would be kind of jarring. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, That's okay, the, though. The trades, the, the trades are kind of kind of like that. They are, there are those moments where you're like, okay. I think this may be the end of the chapter because usually Kirkman ends a lot of his chapters on cliffhangers. So right. that does help. But yeah, if you were in, uh, if you were to read this and not have the next issue right there and you had to wait for like a month for it, to, for the comic to come out or wait for the next trade to come out. Yeah. It would, I could see how it'd be pretty jarring when you open it up and like, w what the hell happened? I mm -hmm. wanted to see what happened after the tank was coming over the hill into the into the prison so right this was also a time period where the walking dead was never on time too <laughs> they finally got into after a while they got into a groove but they were always a little late so you you knew you had a little wait after this one to get the next one too you know nice I'm glad you brought that up because that was actually a point I meant to make and totally forgot. But yeah, you're right. That that just added to the frustration was that it may not necessarily have been a month wait. It could have been a six-week wait. You know, mm -hmm. it could have been even longer than, yeah, because they were never on time back in, you know, back at this point. Now that I'm thinking about it, issue 99 is probably out by now. Because ah. they, they were going, they go up to 100, they were going every three weeks. Three weeks, issue, yeah. Every three mm -hmm. weeks. Which is insane. So yeah, in real in real time, Walking Dead world, we're almost to issue one hundred. Well, you've got to think nowadays. Walking Dead is is like the biggest thing Image has. So yeah, it's uh, you know it, it's probably outselling some Marvel and a lot of Marvel and DC books. So oh, yes. So you know, it's got you know it's got sort of an impetus to come out on time. Like I said, go up on. <laughs> Go go on eBay and look at finished auctions for full runs of The Walking Dead and just watch your jaw drop at how much money they go for. Yeah, or like individual issues where it's the first uh, first appearance of Michonne or something. Yeah, number, yeah. number nineteen. Ridiculous it's prices. now an iconic issue. You should know that it's like they all know that it's number nineteen. It's like yeah. Amazing Fantasy number fifteen. Exactly, you know and. And they're hoping that, you know, every time they, you know, now every time a new character is introduced, it's like, first, first appearance of blah, 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 of, Jesus, of Jesus, you know, and and jack up the prices. But that's kind of cool to see that that sort of interest in a in a comic again. Um, man, it, it just every time I, that's one of my time machine things is I wish I would have started just like six months earlier buying Walking Dead. <laughs> I'd uh I wouldn't have to <laughs> I would have enough money to get to uh to a couple different Star Wars celebrations. 
Well, I'm not sure exactly when this episode is going up, but uh, I'll just throw it out there right quick that uh, I am selling off my uh, my Walking Dead paper issues. So uh, if anybody's interested, hit me up. I'll, I'll give you a good price. Before he puts them up on eBay. Yep. They'll fight, they'll fight over them over eBay. That, oh, eBay, yeah. That's for sure, man. Especially if you have a whole chunk of them. Do you have number one? <laughs> I wish. No, I think my earliest issue is eight, if I'm mm. not mistaken. Yeah, I don't, I think, I'm not I looking think, at a list in front of me, but I think know, that's I would, right. I think you know, I'm six. I would save up. If you've got 19, it's in It's in even a halfway decent condition. You're going to make a mint. I, I already sold my 19. I replaced it with, uh, with the Walking Dead Weekly number 19. Because <laughs> I was like, I, don't, I like having the, you know... Like I could probably get a thousand dollars for the Walking Dead's that I have right now, and I don't think that I could bear to part with them as that. You know, I love having those single, those single issues, and the and the Walking Dead weeklies even reprinted the letters column and everything. So they were, you know, so I you know I don't care if it's a first printing or a second printing. I really don't care, but I just like the floppies. You know, not enough to hunt down the first six. <laughs> I know Scott hates the word floppies. My uh, what I've got here is uh, is starting with number eight and ending with number seventy five. I have forty four issues, so I mean it's not a solid run, but it's it's a you know it's a pretty decent chunk. Yeah, and they're and they're in runs. You know, they're in you know for the most part they're in you know several issue chunks. If that may, you know, if that makes any sense, but uh, but yeah, I've just decided that uh, that now's the time. I'm going to strike where the iron's hot and uh, and divest myself of these because I can use the money. So who knows what the iron could be hot for a while? Because there's going to be the ongoing TV show. So there's probably yeah, I'm I don't have a whole lot of faith in the in the ongoing TV show. You so don't have a of lot of ongoing faith in your enjoyment of the. Uh, uh, the ongoing TV show, but the rest of the world that that TV show is breaking I, all kinds of records. No, I'm telling you, man, that TV show. I don't is... know. I don't. I you know. I I know that it's it has its fans and all that, but I don't know. <laughs> I, I hear just as many people saying, ah, "I think I'm done with this show," as I hear saying, "Wow, you know, I'm I'm really into this now." Yeah, but cause... that's people in our world. That's people in our world. I'm talking about Joe Joe, TV watcher. It's it's the number one show on that network you know it's the it's the it's no see i was actually that's how i was talking about it too is that the people that i'm hearing that that have told me they don't think they're going to watch it anymore are the people that have never read the book that don't know where it's headed because they a lot of them are women women loved shane and now that they've offed shane and you know the other you know really sympathetic character on there was, was Dale. Now that those two characters mm-hmm. are gone, I've heard a lot of people say, you know, I don't really you know yeah, who but is you it know to follow what? it. You know what? Here comes Tyrese, baby. <laughs> uh, hey, I wonder baby. if they'll bring Tyrese. Oh, I I, I, I don't see. I, I I I I they better bring in Tyrese. The thing about Kirkman is, I think he really would be i think he would be really into having tyrese in there because he likes writing he likes writing about his character you know he likes getting a chance to do i remember reading a thing going 
you know, I'm going to get to do some things with Shane that I didn't get to do before he died, you know, so I, after he died, I was like, oh, man, I should have done that and I should have done that. And he got a sort of second chance with the TV show. So I don't see how he's going to, like, not get Tyrese. And there's and there's, you know, the whole subplot of Tyrese's daughter and the, you know, the psycho Herbert West looking boyfriend and all that. So I. Yeah, I see. I, I'm hoping. For I, it. I hate to play. I hate to play. You know, you know, almost racist TV executive, but I can't see. I can't see AMC going. Okay, let's put another strong black character in there when we've got basically T Dog as a character. I mean, well, uh, that's not I, a I don't, strong black character. T-Dog, yeah, well, true. I mean, a lot of people gripe about T Dog because he he doesn't have shit to do ever. He no. just sort of see. I, see, when I started out, I I was worried that T Dog was going to be the replacement for, for Tyrese. Tyrese, which would be really really weak. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was not. I mean, uh, Merle was more like uh, Tyrese than yes. uh, than uh, T Dog was. So that was that was kind of disappointing that they put him in. But, you know, I'm, you know, if they do put him in there, that'd be great. But and it's I'm also someone for Rick to butt heads with. There's nobody for Rick to butt heads with anymore now that there's no Dale and uh, and Shane. Yeah. So well, and and you've got to kind of wonder because uh, spoiler, you know, we know Merle may not stay with the group in the prison because we're pretty certain someone may be coming back. If you know what I'm saying. Right. What Michael? Yeah. Well, I I don't want to. Well, I don't know. Have you seen the the images of who's coming back uh, for the next season? Well, I know I've Rooker. I know Rooker's coming back. That's it. Yeah. So. Yeah, his, I mean, uh, Daryl. Daryl. Daryl's the the brother. Merle's the one who got his hand. Yes, Merle's Rooker. Yeah. Uh, I I always get that messed up too, but um. I, I, you know, I was thinking, oh, they're going to make him the governor, but now they've definitely said, no, he's not the governor. But I'm thinking maybe he'll turn up in Woodbury. Maybe that, that, that might be a good, that might be a good plot too. If, if he ends up in Woodbury and he would probably end up being like a lieutenant of the governor or something, he would probably, he was a pretty much of a badass. Um, but, uh, you know, cauterized his own wound and, and all that and escaped. So there would be, so, you know, you could have the whole conflict of, you know, what's Daryl going to do? Does he stay with these people? And Daryl, Daryl kind of has the hots for Carol too. And, uh, and then, well, you know, his brother in Woodbury, he might get torn by which way he wants to go, you know? Well, and if things play out with Carol, like they did in the book, you know, that yeah. could be impetus for him moving on. So that's, that's very true. So, you know, there's and I think Kirkman knows that we're going to be, you know, the people who read the comics are going to be trying to figure that stuff out. And I think one of his things in life is 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 just totally, you know, throwing monkey wrenches into people's ideas of what's going to happen. You know, keeping keeping you on your toes, even if you think you know what's going on, you know, I don't. I don't think at this point he's giving much regard at all to the, the 
the readers of the series when it comes to producing the show. Oh yeah, you see, I'm, I'm, yeah. I, I, I couldn't agree with you less, man. I, he's given me exactly what I want, which is, well, it's not exactly what I want. I didn't know that's what exactly I wanted, but I love it. I love the fact that I don't know what's coming next. I don't, you know, that was going to be my main. I loved that the first episode was like so close to the bone. But then when it started branching off and things happen, things played out differently, but still followed the same timeline. It's like, okay, you know, I, now I have the nobody is safe, um, which is funny because that's the teaser at the end of this comic is, you know, nobody is safe, but now I still have the nobody is safe feeling watching the TV show. I don't know, you know. You're pretty much. You can pretty much assume Rick's gonna be around, but you don't know what, you know, what will happen. You know, with the, with that because you know you took Dale out early, and Dale figures very strongly into stories in the future. So, you know, I like that. I like not, you know, having any idea what's going on. That that gives me more dread when I watch the show because. You know, you, you can't you can't tell what's going to happen. You know, well, that's why I, I like the comic. I don't know what's coming next. I agree. It gives more dread to the show. But since this, since the show is supposed to be following The Walking Dead and it's named The Walking Dead, I would at least hope that they would adapt it as closely as possible. I mean, I, if they I don't know Amen. If, you see, but I don't know if necessarily the show is meant to adapt. You know, it's. It's supposed to be The Walking Dead. They are making The Walking Dead, but they're also making it for TV, not a movie, and ongoing, and with, but there's just so, when you have, and also when you have TV, you have so many more cooks in the kitchen than um. you ever do on a comic book, and it just, I think he's doing a great job with making it a totally, it's a totally different creature to some extent but at the same time it's got it, it's got the same sort of it's it's got the same feel to it um it, once again it's the old uh the book is always better than the movie you know um, thing i'll agree with you there you know just so so long as it doesn't go completely off the rails, off the rails. I mean, it, it looks already like, has it already well, has gone completely off the rails I, uh, I will say that i think i think last season it did go off the rails but i think the last episode they tried to back with the introduction of michonne and the uh pan up to the prison i think next season i will give it next season i think there's a good possibility that they might be able to get it back in track. But I, I agree with Scott. I don't want to see, you know, redneck Georgia zombies. I want to see the walking dead, you know, adapt the walking dead and do it as closely as possible with, within the confines of, you know, what you can get away with on TV and I'll be happy. I, I, I didn't feel it went off the tracks as much as it just sort of stalled on, on the track for a while. Oh, it just sort of slowed down and stayed on one part of, you know, one yeah. part of the track. I wish it would have been moving along the track a Rachel's little faster. Yeah, oh. I, I, I look at, you know, there's so, you know, there's, there's, there's the walking dead you want and there's the walking dead you got. And when you got the, 
when you got when you add Hollywood or you know show business into it, you got your budget, you got all the politics behind the scenes and stuff. So uh, it becomes. I think it all. Oh no, comes no down. that's a total reality. No, it, it, com- it still comes down to the fact that even after all these years and all the properties that have come along and have made you know a billion dollars and everything else. It's still at the end of the day, it was a comic book originally. So you've got that Hollywood mentality that we've got to, you know, we can take the name off the cover, but we're going to have to make some fundamental changes because we don't want to do a comic book. And it pisses me off because people get all up in arms. If you take some classic novel and you make a movie out of it, if it doesn't follow it page for page and word for word, people will get livid and up in arms about it. But, you know, they don't seem to people don't mind when that's done with a comic. And I think that that's bullshit because people haven't read the comics. That's why we have. uh, I mean, you have. And you're sitting here saying that you applaud the fact that they've taken the comic and run in a completely different direction. And I'm I I just I don't understand that way of thinking. It's like. I don't. The comic is, I don't agree is with great. the. Uh, I don't agree with the pr- premise that it's run in a completely different direction. I think it's run in the same direction. The beats of the story are completely different. I. I don't know what can I say. I like it. I. I like every episode of it. I watch. I'm drinking in the wonderful cinematography. I think the writing is sharp. I think the acting is sharp. I think the storyline isn't it's not the comic it's stalled out a little bit at herschel's farm but i even enjoyed just the the arcs of character interaction in it i you know what can i say <laughs> i mean well, i mean i'm if, not begrudging if, you the if fact it, if that it you played like out it. I mean, if it like played out a like, different I'm, way I'm i might just, not like it but i mean i i, I mean when i watch it approaching it in a whole different way because oh, yeah. you know, like i say, i'm not trying to begrudge you what you like that's fine but no, what, no, I, i'm I just mean, saying that i you, think it you, needs you, to be acknowledged at this point that they are not adapting the comics and that's what pisses me off you know, you talked about you know, going into each new episode with a sense of dread. Well, yeah, I do, too. How are they going to fuck it up this time? That's the sense of dread I have every time I watch it. I've just been incredibly, incredibly disappointed with Walking Dead, the TV show. I wish they'd just adapt the damn stories because yeah, then, that's then, what I want to see. I don't but, care about, you know, an entire season squandered on herschel and his stupid farm i just don't give a shit about any of that you know it was like what was that it like three issues in the series and then they moved on to the awesome and it's like no you you've completely blown all of the the goodwill that you generated with an awesome first season you know and then they're completely off the rails they've killed off characters that were supposed to live much longer they've killed off you know they they've left. Yeah, it's just uh, I'm I'm so frustrated with the whole damn thing. The, the, the thing of the matter is, to me, if they if it became a strict adaptation of the comics, then after a while, watching it just becomes a formality. You know you know what I mean? You know how how engaged can I be when it's like, all right, so let me watch the comic come to life, and I know where I know the beginning, I know the middle, and I know the end, and I know you know you know after a while. It would What's get... any different than that? And and say taking some, you know, best-selling novel that's you know that's been a classic for fifty years, well, because... and adapting it to the big screen and going well, and thrilling here's... to it, even if you know exactly where that here's... story's headed because you've loved it since here's... you were a kid. Here's what the, the hell's uh, the difference? Here's a, the difference is a movie's an hour and a half, 
story. It's a singular story usually, although, you know, I mean, it turns into like your Harry Potter and stuff like that. I've liked the Harry Potter movies where they've, I've liked how they've altered from the books. But, um, and, and there's a difference between a comic book and a weekly TV show too, the way things develop and, and, and go, and the way time and is compressed and stretched out, you know, when you're waiting a month in between things for a, a comic and there's, and there's, you can read th- the way you read a comic and the way things happen, if they played out like that in real time, it might be awkward because it might not play out as fast as reading a comic, you know, where you're sort of filling in the blanks and stuff. So there's, I mean, there's just a big difference. I personally, I just see it as part of Kirkman's psychology that he can't resist keeping people off balance, not letting them, not letting them be able to go. I know where you're going with this. I know what's coming next. He, I don't think he likes that at all, judging from, and that's only judging from the only things I've ever read that he's done were Walking Dead's and that uh, Marvel Zombie thing, which was only a few issues and it was kind of a goofy parody so I don't count it as Kirkman's style but he seems to like he seems to delight in in surprising people and shocking them and keeping them off balance and to me that to me that the TV show does that is fine with I'm so happy to have have a weekly Walking Dead TV show that as long as it entertains me I'm happy and and I'll admit there were parts of season two where I thought the story could have been moving along faster but I was also geeking out on the cinematography and the 16 millimeter film and all that stuff but yeah I mean I mean that's just part of our our that's you know part of the Scott Gardner personality and the yeah. Chris well, I'm- Honeywell personality I wouldn't expect us to to agree on that well i'm i'm sensing a theme here with uh scott's scott's idea about the walking dead it does sort of parallel you know his beliefs with you know the dark knight that everyone really went apeshit over the dark knight it being this amazing movie and your problems with it scott were it wasn't in any way like the comic so i'm seeing i'm seeing a parallel here but I don't know about you. I will admit to the fact that I would enjoy watching the Walking Dead TV show really over watching the Dark Knight. I've I've given it a couple of rewatches, and yeah, I see a lot of your points with the Dark Knight. And yes, it's nothing like the comic. Walking Dead TV show is at least, even though the story isn't like the comic, the the, the themes and the and the dialogue and the feel of it. Are, are close enough to the comic that I'm willing to forgive a little bit of diversion from the story. I'm not happy with it. I wish, I agree with you, I wish they'd just adapt it, but a little diversion here or there I can deal with. You know, because was... the, all in all, it, it, if, if you're saying Dark Knight or Walking Dead, it's Dark Knight every day and twice on Sundays. Well, it also gives the people who are watching the TV show a chance to to go to the comics, 
to get the comics and to, and to have a different experience. And a lot of them are like, these comics are, you know, are so much better than the TV show. And I'm also thinking that's awesome, too, to have people have that. Oh, there's a mosquito flying around me, and I'm trying to get it to fly. I'm trying to get it to fly into the microphone. Wouldn't that be awesome if that? Um, you know, part of it too is that I was a, a whole hell of a lot more forgiving about those diversions and things with the first season because the first season I thought was awesome. I mean, they went completely off the rails with those final two episodes of the first season with the uh, CDC and all that. And I loved all that. I thought that was really good, you know, for a couple of reasons is that, you know, it was, it was a really engaging story and everything, but also it kind of fit at the time. I kind of still had the feeling that they weren't so much diverging from the comics as they were kind of telling you untold tales, if you will, you know, things that could have happened between yeah. the Issues, panels. You yeah. Know, you know, yeah. In the gutters. And so I really liked that plot, you know, but looking back on it, I, I, I'm still willing to forgive it because, you know, yes, it diverged, but it was really good storytelling. I'm not so forgiving this time around because I'm sorry. I just thought season two kind of sucked. I just, you know, you, you can't you can't come out of the gate having scaled way back in your budget and, and special effects and, and everything and then just kind of slog through an entire season and then give me like one, you know, semi-spectacular finale and expect that I'm going to be right back on board. No, at this point, I'm very leery about yeah. season three because I thought that it was a pretty lame-ass season, you know, that had a kind of, eh, you know, ending to it. So I don't know. Everybody's wetting their pants about the fact that it ended on the prison. At this point, I'm kind of like, well, yeah, thanks, but it's a little too late. I wanted to see that, you know, half a season ago. You see, the thing you is, with a comic book, they can just draw that shit up for you. With, with that TV show, when the first season, here, here's all this money because we got Frank Darabont attached to it. So Frank Darabont, he gets a big thing, and he it's... We got a real director, you know, with a repu with a fucking insane reputation. We're gonna throw money at this, and we're oh yeah yeah do this. Darabont's gone, the money's gone, you know, and there and there's Kirkman sitting there going, "What do we do? How do we, you know, how do we tool this so that we can actually get a season out on time?" That's that's the the you know main thing. That's the main propelling thing about any TV show, um, movie, but, you know, TV shows are even more cutthroat because you got to get all this. So it's like, okay, we got the budget cut. What can we do to, to, to keep this at a quality, but at the same time to get it done? And like one of the big answers is, find a set that we can park on and dialogue and keep the dialogue cracking. That's what I saw to it. It was like, it was like, you know, what, what can we do to get from this point to this point, which is to finish the season. And Kirkman is also not a, a seasoned professional TV movie writer. He's a comic. He's work used to working with an, uh, you know, a. A penciler and a colorist. 
you know, a, an artist much, and a colorist. Instead how of, much influence does he have on this show, really? Probably, because probably not a whole hell of a lot. See, that's what I'm thinking. Is you know, you were you were you were you know really talking him up a little bit ago, like you know he was you know throwing us all these curveballs in the show and keeping us guessing and all that. And I'm not saying he's not. But I would be willing to bet that a lot more of that would, you know, the blame or, or praise, however you want to put it, for that would fall on studio interference than it would on Kirkman, you know, being this genius writer that's trying to keep us all, you know, on our toes I, I, I the think entire time. I think it's Kirkman sort of, sort of, um, Kirkman is a lot of a lot of like people could have like when when somebody pulls shit like that would be like i'm walking get, and they'll just get some other writer you know to to do it or whatever you know they can replace any for a tv show they bought the rights to do the tv show so but i think what i mean even the, every every episode even you know i mean kirkman doesn't write every episode but his style and his dialogue and the way that the characters interact with each other, the sort of bluntness that they have from being, you know, survivors at the end of the world is intact. And that's it. You know, there's definite there's definite signs of Kirkman's style in every episode. And, and you know, I mean, he's there on the set. He's not direct. He's not directing every episode, but he's probably there with the director and the directors are probably the directors and the crew are probably all like TV, you know, worked in TV before. But you know, it's... well, I know for a, a lot of the the first season episodes, I think I saw Ernest Dickerson as the director of a lot of them, and he's been pretty much known for uh, doing work on the Tales from the Crypt show. Mm-hmm. So he's done. He's done horror, which has been that was. So he's been working for a while. So you know, uh, you know they they've got that. But yeah, I I agree with you, Chris. That they've got the the style over it. They just don't have the story. They've got the style of the characters. When you watch a TV show, especially you know, and it may be more true would say if you're watching um, CSI. You know, whatever city, I, you know, I don't know what cities it's in, but Sheboygan. I know it's in a shitload of them. But you're watching that that from, you know, okay, now that, when they make that one, they've got a whole slick professional thing. It ain't the, you know, this is more of a, in, in, in the independent film land of TV, it's still on TV, so you think of it as this professional thing. But I have a feeling a lot of what this stuff you see, there's a lot of, like, you know, stuff being held up with scotch tape and a prayer and, you know, things being done on the, flown by the seat of the pants to to get it done that you don't necessarily, you know, that's only noticed by the people who made it. But, you know, you know, you you know the the set of the walking dead i i know for a fact they were talking about the the cameramen basically had to learn how to work with 16 millimeter film they hadn't really used 16 millimeter film and they'd been using you know high def video and and digital video and stuff for so many years and and before that 35 millimeter that they had to just sort of you know the the first half of the season a lot of the camera people were figuring out 
they knew how to get a good shot and stuff, but you know, but you can see by the end of the season, they knew how to like milk the f stop and 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 the you know put the lens on to get a nice orange glow from the sunset and to take advantage of having 16 millimeter rather than just getting a good shot, making it a good shot on 16 millimeter. And you can see that develop, which means they're, they're really good cameramen and they're imaginative, but you can see the learning process in the show. <laughs> so, you know, there it's, it, who knows? It sounds to me like it's a troubled product. It's a troubled production. It's probably, you know, it, not troubled as in it may not happen, but it sounds like it's, it sounds like it's a lot of it's a lot of um, pratfalls have have it befallen. Sound, it, it sounds like one of the one of the typical TV tropes that you know it's a show that's run by committee, mm-hmm. and that everything uh, that is a, on TV, and that AMC you know even though it's getting it probably its biggest numbers and probably biggest ratings from this this series it's not pumping the money into it that it is to say breaking bad or Mad Men, which is disappointing well well i don't you know you don't know what goes on with breaking bad or Mad Men either but yeah but it might be because the people who do breaking bad and Mad Men are a little more used to it so they can assert themselves you know they know how to say say no to a studio and get it to take or to show that they can't and maybe Kirkman's getting pushed around a little more because who knows? But, you know, the it it just you, you, it just seems to me like there's been de- definitely. Well, there's definitely been scandal when Darabont left and, you know, the budget got cut and stuff. You were reading all about it. And that's just what you were. Re- that's just what you're reading about. And. And a lot of people think, well, The Walking Dead was this huge success and it made all this money and got these great ratings. So now they're going to be like, all right, Kirkman, you did good. Here's your golden ticket. Do whatever you want. That's almost the exact opposite of what that's what should happen. But it's almost what happens is all of a sudden it starts making money and that attracts every scumbag in the world wants to put, you know, their little piece of pee pee on it to mark their territory so all of a sudden, everybody's like, oh, we've got this, you know, great commodity. Let's uh, everybody wants to tweak it and and attach themselves to it. So you can get a lot of problems from success. You know, sometimes it's best to have your project sort of, you know, um, freaks, which I haven't seen yet, but uh, freaks and geeks style. Where you know it lasts a season, or or um, or Firefly style, you know, where comes in, does a season, goes away, and then it's a sleeper for years, you know, and right. it's appreciated. It never had a chance for it to to become successful and become a parody of itself, or to jump, you know, be around long enough to jump the shark. But um. But all that aside, those are all like excuses that I could make for, you know, why it is what it is. But to me, it's all moot because I'm I'm kind of like, OK, maybe I, I like what it is. So uh, but I know I realize I'm also one of the few people, most people I know that that I talk to 
are not have not been too pleased with the the second season at all. Well, we're just gonna have to see what they do with the third season, and you know, I'm uh, you know because I enjoy the comic so much, I'm I'm willing to give it a chance. I mean, the second season wasn't great by all means, but it did have moments. So I'm 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 willing to forgive, but it's gonna be one of those things of. You know, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me yeah. twice, shame on me. See, it would have to get really bad for me to give up on it, you know? Even if it's only a mediocre adaptation of The Walking Dead, that still makes it better than whatever, um, <laughs> just about any friends or, you know, or, or three and a half men or whatever. <laughs> okay. You know? It's like a it's like a it's like a crappy Spielberg movie is better than like the greatest Michael Bay movie he could ever dream of making, <laughs> and that's even uh, kind of insulting to Spielberg. It's kind of an insult that you know you think Michael Bay could make a make a good movie. Well, okay, I'll I'll give him the anybody rock. anybody can anybody can hit the lottery, <laughs> you know. Lightning can strike anywhere at some point, so you can't ever count it out. Just like I had a dream last night. Speaking about lightning striking. Oh, Scott, you're going to love this. I had a dream last night that I was watching the new the new Dark Knight movie and that the that Bane look was like the scarecrow, but he was like a scarecrow out of a Tim Burton animated movie, like with a stitched on mouth and stuff. And I was like. This is bizarre. I kind of like this. <laughs> I, I didn't expect it to go in this direction. This is this is this is this is awesome. <laughs> Too bad we can almost be guaranteed that it's that all a dream. <laughs> Just all a crazy, a crazy dream. <laughs> I'm actually looking. I'm. I'm I'm actually looking forward to to seeing it on an academic level, not as much as the Superman one, but I am definitely looking forward to The Walking Dead number 44 because that will not be a flashback episode. No. That would that would be that would be really <laughs> nasty. No, we're going We're going to find out. Isn't that out the one happens. where they make nice with the governor and they all go out for ice cream? That's right. Yeah. Although I don't know where the hell you're gonna get ice cream, in uh. Well, there's plenty of rock salt. They just you know. Rock salt's where you're gonna get fresh milk. True. Cows. Well. <laughs> well, I you know I think you know someone just had a baby, huh? Oh, yeah, Lori ice milk. cream, yeah. Delicious. <laughs> oh, that's right. You're married, man. You know I don't know. <laughs> I wasn't a bachelor. Well, I'm not allowed to talk about that, but. Well then. <laughs> That's one I signed an oath not to talk about that one, yeah. <laughs> you. 
You can sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows. Simply click the PayPal link on our website, donate any amount at all, tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf, and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode, with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy, and there is no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today. Anytime you plan to visit Amazon.com, please be aware that if you use the Amazon.com link located on our website, www.2TrueFreaks.Libson.com, Two True Freaks will receive a referral bonus for any items you purchase. There is absolutely no additional cost to you whatsoever for doing this. All proceeds go directly toward keeping new episodes of all your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated podcasts rolling, and it really helps us out. So please... Use our Amazon.com link anytime you plan to visit Amazon.com. Welcome to Amazon. I love you. <laughs> visit our website at twotruefreaks.libson.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. Libsyn is spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Join our forum at forumforgeeks.com, where you can discuss all of the shows on our feed with us and your fellow listeners. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. Dumbass. And hey, you can friend me, Scott Gardner, on Facebook too. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. You can friend me on Facebook too, if you can find me. Now available, Two True Freaks t-shirts. See our website for details. Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check that out at www.comicspodcast.com, where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. We are also members of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com league. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two, two True, True Freaks. Freaks. We're off? Good. Well, that ought to hold the little bastards.